Welcome to The Heart Zone, featuring George Cannon. This broadcast is a time of teaching and encouragement from Kerwinsville Christian Church. For more information, we invite you to visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. And now for a message from The Heart Zone. Here's George Cannon. You know, folks, for the last seven weeks, we've been going through various passages in the New Testament, talking about being the church, be the church, that it's more than just a service. Church is more than just coming to a service. Church is the people. And and what does God want from us? And we talked about five different commitments that the Lord wanted from us. So we've been looking at this whole issue of what does he want us to be as a church? And, and I'll be honest with you folks, you know, as, you know, I've been here 14 years now. It, it really, our, our point is not trying to be like somebody else, like some other church. Our point is to be the church that God called us to be. Did, do, you, do you understand what I'm saying? But here's, here's the problem. Here's the problem. It, it's really our struggle. We've been talking about a lot of different struggles. It, when you think about what God has conceptualized for us to be as a church, we really got a struggle. And so I'm going to share with you two points. If you got your bulletin on the back, you can write these down. We've got a major thing we've got to overcome in our mind, and it's this. First of all, we want to be a dynamic New Testament church. That's that's just the fact. Do you mean everybody wants their church to be a good church, right? Am I right in saying that? Oh, no, George, I want our church to be totally boring and lousy. Nobody wants their church to be like that. They they want their church to be a dynamic church where people sense that they love each other, where people sense that they can come as they are with all their stuff. Nobody's going to judge them. We want a church that's relevant, that meets needs in people's lives through God's Word or through 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 actions on the part of others. We want to be that kind of church, right? Don't we want to be a dynamic church? I think that's true, right? Now, here's the struggle. And this is real. It's real for me as a pastor. It's real for you if you're a part of this church. And here it is. The reality of being such a church seems beyond our grasp. I'll say it again. The reality of being such a church seems Beyond our grasp. Do you know what I'm saying? Because here's the thing. I could come up here Sunday after Sunday, and I could show you from the Scripture and, and make appeals to you that this is the kind of church that we need to be. That we need to be a church that, that is committed to God's Word. That we, we need to be a church that's committed to intimate relationships where we help each other. That we need to be a, a, a church that's committed to corporate worship of Christ. That we need to be a church that's committed to, to, uh, to believing prayer, and that we need to be a church that's committed to radical generosity, where, where we have people that are, that are willing to give to help each other out. And we can look at that and say, yes, George, I agree that this is the kind of church, but then, okay, the rubber meets the road, right? We get back to real life. And we leave the service, and we're either driving home or we're sitting back, you know, either eating at a, at a restaurant, or we're sitting back in our easy chair at home, and we sit for a moment and we think, yeah, it would be nice to be that, but 
How do we do that? How do we become that kind of church? Because it's, it's nice to talk about that kind of church, right? It's nice to talk and say, oh yeah, woohoo, I want to be that kind of, I want to go to that kind of church. But how do we do it? Do you do what I'm saying? If we, I mean, let's just take it one step further. After all of the discussion, let's just take it one step further and just go flat out say, how do we do it? And, and we got to say to ourselves, I don't know. Isn't that what we say? I don't know. I mean, I, I'll be honest with you, you know, because a lot of you know that I have a few degrees and, and all of my theological studies uh, and, and, and so forth, a lot of it was spent on talking about pastoring a church and growing a church. I'll be honest with you, all the books I've read, and, and I've got a lot of them downstairs in my office, none of them tell you how to be that kind of church. They talk about it. They talk about this is what a church should be, and this is the characteristics of a healthy church, and this, that, or another. But here's the reality. How do you get there? We haven't figured that out. Oh yeah, there's some dynamic churches and there's some good churches, but they're all different. They all have different paths to how they got there. Did you, do you understand what I'm saying? It's sort of like it's sort of like saying we all want to be healthy here, right? We want to look good and trim, and yeah, I want to look trim. You know, how do you get there? Hard work, George. Push yourself away from the table. Okay, that's great. All right. But for some people, that doesn't work, right? <laughs> Sorry, go ahead and laugh. All right, it's okay. All right, go ahead. All right, I know. That's fine. Go ahead and laugh. I mean, we're real here. Be real. No, no, be stoic. That's what church is, right? Okay. The reality is that being such a church just seems beyond our grasp. So here's the third point I want to make to you. Because if we're at the point where we could say, yeah, we want to be that, how do we get there if we don't know? Here's the thing I want you to see. It requires a decision of faith on our part. It requires a decision of faith. Faith in who, George? Because I don't know how to do it, and I'll tell you what, I know my stuff, and, and I know the things that I'm dealing with, and I know the struggles that I have, and seriously, George? You're expecting me to do this? I'm not asking you to have faith in yourself. Because if we had faith in ourselves, and if you have faith in me as pastor to guide you to be this kind of church, I'm going to tell you right now, we might as well go ahead and just go ahead and lay it out on the table. We are not going to get there. Just going to tell you that right now. Because we ain't that good. We ain't that smart. We don't have that kind of money. We ain't that compassionate. Did you understand what I'm saying? It, it is just no way for us to do it on our own. So we can't have faith in ourselves. Do you understand? But it's going to require a decision of faith. Well, who do we need to have faith in? God. Because look, we've studied for the last seven weeks what he's calling us to be, right? But we looked at it and said, yeah, that's great. How do we do it? Well, we can't do it. He's got to do it through us. He's got to be the one 
to move us to be that kind of church. He's got to be the one that transforms each and every one of us to be that kind of church. Do you understand what I'm saying? So my faith is not in me, Lord. Help me to be this kind of church. Help me to do what I can to be this kind of church. Lord, my faith is in you. You want us to be that. I'm going to trust you to move us there. I'm going to trust you to do that. Do you understand what I'm saying? I'm going to trust you to do that. I think it's easy for us to do that. Why? Folks, I just celebrated 14 years here. If that's not an act of God, I don't know what is. What do you mean by that, George? Well, you know, as pastor of the church, I downstairs in the office, I've got a whole bunch of binders of all of the history of the church. Do you know what the longest serving church was ever in this church? Seven years. There probably was only three or four pastors ever that served that long. All the other pastors, and there were many of them, maybe served anywhere from six months to a year and a half. The fact that I've been here 14 years in the history of this church, that is an amazing work of God. That has nothing to do with me. That has to do with God and his grace on us. That's God doing it. So who are we going to have faith in? If God's showing us what we need to be, we've got to exercise faith in him to do it. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's got to be, Lord, you bring about what you want our church to be. Did you understand what I'm saying? And some of you here, folks, some of you, a lot of you here came from other churches, and you came because you were looking for something different. And you're here with the hope that we would be the church that you want us to be, right? You're right? So you say, okay, George, you, you say it's going to require a decision of faith on our part. Well, I'm just going to be flat out honest with you, George. Yeah, I see that, but man, George, I'm just like Jarius, the synagogue ruler whose daughter is, 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 is lying, dying, and I want Jesus to come and heal, and, 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 and Jesus says to me, have faith, and I, and I say to Jesus, this is what my statement is, just like Jarius, my faith is weak, increase my faith. George, I want our church to be this way, but my faith is weak. What do we do? Well, that's why we come over to Hebrews. We're just going to look at one verse today, folks. And we're going to talk about faith expressed. So this is not just about us as a church. This is about you as an individual. This is not just about you having faith for the church. This is talking about you having faith in Christ for your life. Because we're talking about God changing us as a church because maybe you're here and you've got some issues in your own life that need changed. And you're looking at yourself and you're saying, there's no way I can ever do it on my own. I've tried. I've failed. We're good at failing, right? Do you know what I'm saying? Now, some of you straight-A students are, I don't fail. You fail in other areas besides grades, folks. So here's what faith expressed is. Look, look with me at verse 6. This is the great faith chapter. It's called the faith chapter in the Bible. Verse 6, he says this. The writer says, For without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Diligently seek him. I want you to see, folks, I want you to see five things here that talk about expressing our faith. 
that talk about us cultivating our faith. It talks about us getting to the place where we have faith to believe that God's going to do his work in our church and help us to be who we need to be and that God's going to do his work in your life. So let's talk about it. First thing I want you to see in that is that first clause there in that verse, without faith it is impossible to please him. What I want you to see is, is that without faith you're going nowhere in your relationship with God. Without faith, you're going nowhere in your relationship with God. Now, let me just stop for a moment. You say, well, I believe that Jesus is the Son of God, George. I understand that, but I'm not just talking about simple belief. I'm talking about faith. Faith is more than just simple belief. Faith is belief plus trust, which results in commitment. Do you understand what I'm saying? You may want to write that down. Faith is belief plus trust which results in commitment. It's more than just simply believing. In fact, James, James and it says that even the demons believe and tremble. Even the satanic angels believe and tremble, but they're not following after God, are they? They ex- know that He exists. They've seen Him. Faith is more than that. So without faith in your life, folks, without faith in my life, without faith as a church, we're going nowhere in our relationship with God. I'm just going to be flat out honest with you. And somebody say, well, you know, my relationship with God's not going anywhere. How's your faith? That's the first question. How's your faith? How you doing? That's the first thing he wants us to understand. If I'm going to cultivate my faith, if I'm going to trust God to believe that he's going to help us to become the church that he wants us to be, or if I'm going to trust God to believe, to have faith that he's going to do his work in my life, I've got to realize that without faith, I'm going nowhere. You are going nowhere. So what happens? Here's the second thing. Look at what he says there. For he who comes to God must believe that he is. Second thing I want you to see is this. The key to the relationship with God is being convinced that he is real. Is being convinced that he is real. Now, let me just stop for a moment. I I want you to understand something. It's more than just the, the word believe here. It's more than just the simple mental ascension that we mean in our culture. You know, I believe that 2 plus 2 equals 4. But that's really not impacting my daily life. Do you know what I'm saying? And you can sit there and you can say, I believe in God. You can meet a lot of people who say they believe in God. Or you can even meet a lot of people who say, I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. There's a lot of people who confess that. But is it impacting their daily lives? No. Why? Because the belief has not gone from here to hear. Do you understand what I'm saying? The belief has not gone from the gray matter that they have up here, their brain, down to their heart level of who they are. And the key to the relationship with God as a church, and the key to the relationship for you as an individual, is for it to go from here to here. You've got to be convinced That He is real. That He is my God. That He died for me. That He died for me so that I could have life. That He died for me so that I could have victory. That He died for me so that I could become what He wants me to become. And that He's going to care for me. He's going to watch over me. 
that I belong to Him. you got to believe that. you got to get to the place where you're convinced about that. Do you, do you know what I'm saying? There's a difference between just knowing it and being convinced about it, right? And that's what he's talking about here. For without faith, it's impossible to please God. You've got to believe that He is. You've got to be convinced that He is. Folks, if we're going to be the church that He wants us to be, we've got to come to the place where we are convinced that the only one who is going to purify and help His church be who we need to be, it's God Himself through us. Do you understand what I'm saying? And for you in your personal lives, the only one who's going to help you, you've got to be convinced is God with whatever you're struggling with, with whatever you're dealing with. And you've got to be convinced that He already won the victory for you. You've got to be convinced of that. This is not about how strong a person you are. You're not that strong. Don't tell me you are. You know, I I just turned I just turned 49 a few months ago. I'm getting ready to hit that big 50. That's old for you young people, right? I still think it's young. All right? You'd be surprised what how the definition of old changes. You know what I'm saying? I remember when I was 20 thinking 40-year-olds were old. Now I'm getting ready to leave the 40s. That ain't old. But the 20s still think it is. Here's what I want you to see. I'm becoming more and more convinced. I can't change. I don't have the strength to change. I'm becoming more and more convinced about that. I don't have the strength to change. And that's okay. As long as I'm convinced that God is the one who changes you. And but folks, he does change you. See, I'm, I'm becoming more and more convinced I'm less sure of myself. And that's okay. See, the key is being convinced that he's real. Did you understand what I'm saying? That He's real. That He loves you. That He cares for you. That He wants something for your life. He wants something for our church. And He's going to do it. Here's the third thing I want you to see. Let's continue on there. Third thing. You have to be convinced that God will bring about His work in your life. You have to be not just convinced that God is real, but you have to be convinced that God will bring about His work in your life. Do, do, do you believe that God has a plan for you? Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10 says that you are a masterpiece and that He has created good works for you to do beforehand for you. Do you believe that He has something that He wants to accomplish through your life? Do you believe that? You need to. Paul says that he who has begun a good work with you in you will what complete it until the day. I mean, God's doing a work in you. The question is, is do you really believe that He wants to do something in your life? That He's molding you? That His plan for you even includes your failures? 
some of you might be hearing you saying, well, you don't know what I've done, George. You don't, you don't know the mess-ups in my life. How could God ever use me again? Folks, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delights in them, David says in the Psalms. Though he yet stumble, he will not utterly be cast down, for the Lord upholds him with his hand. God's got a plan for you. He, his plans include your mess-ups. That's grace. In fact, I like to say it this way. This just occurred to me. God doesn't have a plan B for you. You know what I mean by that? We like to say this. We like, well, I got plan A, but if plan A doesn't work out, we'll go to plan B. Have you noticed that? We'll say that. Hey, folks, God's only got plan A. And plan A includes the realization that you're going to mess up. Is that not awesome? But see, here's the problem. That's what God is towards you and He's doing to you, but you have to be convinced, not just up here. You have to be convinced in your heart that He's going to bring about this work in your life. That's what faith is. You have to be, folks, if we, we look at this and we say, Lord, this is what you want us to be as a church. We can't do it. And Lord, you can, but you got to be convinced. you got to be convinced, Kerwinsville Christian Church, that He wants to do that in our church. That's faith. That's faith. You've got to be convinced that He wants to do that in your life. Because here's the thing. Conviction concerning God must be expressed in faith. Conviction concerning God must be expressed in faith. You sit there, I mean, it's your words are meaningless if you say that you believe that God provides, that you believe God can do this work, but you don't live that way. You're not convinced by it. Your words are meaningless. If you believe it, you live that way. Trusting in Him. Lord, I don't know how we're going to get through this, but Lord, I know you're in control, and you'll get us through this. I'm not going to tell you what to do here, God. Have you ever tried to tell God what to do? Do you know what you are when you tell God what to do? Now, the parents will appreciate it. Teenagers won't, okay, what I'm about to share. You're like your teenager telling you, after 40 years of living, how to do something. That's what we are when we tell God what to do. Now, all my teenagers, forgive me. I love you, okay? I have teenagers, sorry, okay? But here's the fifth point. Look with me, this final statement. I think this is so awesome. This is what you've got to believe. Look at what it says there. Last part of verse 6. If you want to, if it's your own Bible, underline this. For he who comes to God must believe that he is. We already already talked about this. Here's the second thing that you've got to be convinced about. And that he is a rewarder. A rewarder of those who 
diligently seek Him. He's a rewarder. Here's my foreign point I want you to see here about faith expressed. Faith is expressed because you relentlessly pursue Him. Folks, you've got to be convinced that your desperation of going to Him boldly, in fact, as the writer of Hebrews says that we can go boldly into His throne room, you've got to be convinced that you know that He will hear you and that He will reward you because you pursue Him. Folks, if we were relentless in prayer and asking God, God, be help us to be the church that you want us to be. We are seeking after you. Do you think he would not reward us by allowing us to become that? Because we collectively were seeking after him. But you got to be relentless. We can't be given up. You know, folks, my lovely bride this morning, Lori, is picking Maddie up from... Cedarville University and driving home. She's on a road somewhere right now. But I remember when I met her in 1991, a friend of mine and his fiance brought Lori to a Super Bowl party that I was having while I was attending Liberty University. And I mean, she just blew me away when she walked into the room. I was like, man, she is so different than these other ditzy girls. I mean, I'm thinking that way. I mean, she is, wow. Now, she wasn't impressed with me at all. And she'll tell you, she thought, wow, he's got a nice microwave. You know, but that's about it. And I'll be honest with you, I I even expressed to one of my friends, hey, that Lori Weaver, oh, man, you just need to forget about her. Why? She turns everybody down. You ain't got a chance, George. So my roommate and I, we strategized. Folks, I strategized for six months to get a date with her. I mean, you're talking about pursuing. And I remember I called her up and I figured out the best way to go on a date with her is take one of her friends too. That's the only way. She wasn't going to go... So I, I, we were going to go to this place called Crabtree Falls up near where we were in Virginia. Big, long waterfalls up in the Shenandoah Mountains. And, and, and I, I had it all figured out. I was going to take her and her friend Amy. Well, the night before, Amy backs out. And Lori calls and says, Well, looks like you're going to have fun. It's going to be a beautiful day tomorrow, but I'm not going. What? Well, Amy's not going, so I'm not going. I said, well, you can still go. You can still go. So I talked her into it. And I packed a nice picnic basket, threw it in the back of my blazer. She didn't know anything about that. We went up there, and that was our first date. You know, it's almost 24 years later. I'm still pursuing her. you got to pursue Lori. That's just the way it is. You know, I think that's the best illustration of God. you got to pursue Him. God wants to be pursued by you. How much do you love Him? Pursue Him. And He'll reward you. Because it's faith that makes you pursue Him. Do you understand? Because you believe. He's the only one who can do it. 
We want to be that church, don't we? Are you convinced that he's the only one who can do it? Are you convinced he's the only one that can change your life? Are you? Then you pursue him. Thank you for being with us this morning. And we trust that today's message has been both challenging and an encouragement to your heart. At Kerwinsville Christian Church, a warm welcome is always extended to you. We're located at 700 State Street, Kerwinsville, Pennsylvania. For more information about our ministry, please visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. Now, on behalf of George Cannon and the entire church family, we hope that you will look to the Heavenly Father in all that you face this coming week.